Welcome to another version of the Ice Cream Podcast. Today, with us, as usual, we have Trevor Holder. Uh, we have... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David Richardson. I made it! <laughs> and Austin Buckner. And this is me, what's left of me. Hi, I'm Rob Holder, and you're not. Uh... We'll be discussing many things and the longevity and the changes that have made throughout the years and the experiences to go with them. Welcome and sit back and relax and enjoy. Oh, yes! So why was Madden 97 the game that made you quit playing video games? He beat me. Massacred me, actually. <laughs> See, from the time that he was born, before he was born, I bought him a video game set. Sega Genesis. No. 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 No? Nintendo. Oh. Was it the original NES? Yes, no, it was Sega. No, it was not. It was too. I bought it. You weren't mm. alive. It was not Sega. We've had this conversation before, and it was Nintendo, for sure. You were born in 89, right? Yes, I was. Sega wasn't, Sega wasn't around yet, was it? It was not. Oh. Well, see, that's why no, I'm an OG. i got to look at this now. Here's my phone. I pre- I was, uh, we're talking maybe, about the Genesis and not the Master System, right? Well, mm-hmm. See, when, when all they had back then was they had a motorcycle motocross game, they had a racing game, they had football and baseball. You're was, talking Tech Mobile, Excite Bike, all Nintendo. Which was all on one little cartridge. Yeah. What games, so like even before Trevor was born, what games were you playing? Well, see, 19... Radio Shack came out with a Commander. 1989. A computer game. America. Computer. So basically then you had Pong. And from Pong, it went to tennis. And from what I understand, they sold off the rights to it, and some guy came up with a way to improve it. And it was basically putting a film on your TV that, you could switch it to volleyball, you could switch it to tennis, you could, but it was still Pong. Right. You know, uh, from there, that, my day off was Tuesday. I was selling resorts, so me and David would play the video games on our day off, well. David being a family friend. Mm-hmm. Next door neighbor, and really we lived in the country, there wasn't much to do on Tuesdays. Malls didn't have people, and. We didn't have money. And they don't have people now, so <laughs> true, true, true. But I thought I was pretty good at it. Then he comes into the world, and by probably a year and a half, he thinks he's got the controls down. Pretty well screwed up the machine is what it did. But um, by two and three, he was actually pretty com- kind of competitive. I let him win a lot. He doesn't agree with that fact. <laughs> it's because it's not true. It is true. I mean, 
I could swing at the ball. And you knew how to push the button to make it throw the ball, so that's what counted. You know? I think the the more the more simple the controls are, like the better the better kids are at those games. So like I'm trying to think of like like mobile games like uh like cell phones or tablets, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Like my my six year old and my soon to be five year old, like they're great at those. But like more complex games, uh, for like say Xbox or PlayStation, where there's like way too many buttons for them to wrap their heads around at that age. They're they're not great at it yet, but uh, they're starting to get there. But that's that's all they do is is watch other people play video games. Which like obviously like we didn't have YouTube until like 2006. You know what I mean? I, would, I was already almost graduated high school by then, but. Like, I feel like I probably would have been the same way. Like, I would have watched people play video games. Um, it would have been a lot easier because uh, back in the day, it was thumbing through, like, walkthroughs and strategy guides for video it, games. It, it, was, or... it was going to, like, cheat CC or game exactly. facts to, to look at a tech like a written out walkthrough by users and not like actual companies oh i was talking with um one of my cousins who's like he's in high school now we were talking about community creations for like wrestling video games Mm -hmm. and he's like man like it it sucks because you you try to find like a kenny omega creator wrestler and you like flipping through pages and you're like, Oh, this one, I don't like this one. I don't like this one. I don't like this one. And I was like, you have it made because when like Trevor and I, for example, were growing up, there was no community creations. There was no like, Oh, this guy from Pennsylvania made this wrestler. And then you just get to download it. What we had to do is get on the internet and download like Look, formulas, and then you have to make it yourself. Oh, we didn't even da- we didn't even download formulas. We had to take a notebook, write down yeah, exactly, write down like what what slider settings were yep. on characters, just to like remake these characters yeah. exactly. There was, how an, they did. there was entire websites that was like, here's the formula for like, <laughs> hey, if you want this particular color of uh, of trunks or or tights or boots, or you want his hair to look this way or his skin tone, like it's this. Uh, like CKY or this color code or and like so I, lo- I love when like I see uh, my my younger cousins complain about like their woes when it comes to video games it's like you have it easy you have no idea what we had to go through in the primitive days of the internet see when I started playing video games if you wanted to change the way your character looked you had to find the power up to change mm-hmm. the color of them for 15 minutes yeah yeah and see we had we had uh, Zelda Mm-hmm. Mist and Warcraft. I remember, and that's Mist. how you both. Oh, I remember Mist. You know, Mist. Uh, they re-released Mist on Xbox too. I was so. just. Was, is there a remake mm-hmm. or yeah? And they started when they started adding all these other buttons to your controls. That's whenever <laughs> I kind of yeah. It. I didn't have the mentality or the eye-hand coordination to do it. You know, and he started kicking my butt. So, so, and he, he's going to argue this. But the one of my fondest memories of, of playing games was we we what what town was it that we lived next to Robbie? Indianola. 
Indianola. Okay, so we lived in Indianola. And um, it was Super Nintendo. Sure. Dad had a, a few of his friends over, and they were all playing uh, X-Men on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. They couldn't figure it out. And so great the, game. they were like, all right, well, you know, let, all right, you know, let, everyone's like getting done for the night and everyone's looking to head out. And I'm like, oh, can I try? And <laughs> so I get on there and something that he was struggling to do that his friends were laughing at him for because he couldn't do it. Um, All I could do was make it jump up and down and swing. Only I didn't know which one was doing which, so I'm just hitting the buttons as fast as right, I can. Right, and he kept dying. Hey, I'm accomplishing something here. And all all I was doing was just watching, right? I I don't think I've ever played that game before, right? I'm pretty sure you didn't. Right. So I was like, oh, can I try? And this is like, they're at the door getting ready to leave. I'm like, oh, let's, let's stick around and just see. Same part he got, he struggled. I got through in in minutes. Like it was, if I remember right, it was a section where it was embarrassing. Where Wolverine had to use his claws to hang from the ceiling mm-hmm. and and get across a gap. And I I did it like it was nothing. And his friends all laughed at him. He's like, "All right, that's enough. It's it's time. To go. It's, not, it's go. past your bedtime." Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, I don't want to play this game no more. Yeah. I think that's another thing that kind of got him to stop playing. And, and I probably spent about $15,000 on games after that, trying to find at least one that I might beat him at. What's, uh, how old were you when, like, like Pong or those those OG video games I was arrived? in the Navy, so that was 1979. Okay. Because, obviously, like, younger generations, like, my kids, your kids, all of our kids, like they grew up with the internet. We grew up with with video games. Like we were born in '89. Like Nintendo, that sort of thing was was just becoming popular. Like we grew up with video <laughs> games. Talk us through watching that technology come to fruition when it, you're it, already, you know, in 1979. I mean, you're in the Navy, so again, there's not much to do when you're off duty. You know, so we go over to a house and we. Drink a little sangria and play a little chess. Well, then they came out with Pong. And that was like the most funnest thing we could, you can actually beat somebody at this, you know? All you gotta do is make the paddle go this way or that way. And, and we'd spend hours, uh, you know? And from there, you know, it, it started that evolution to where you had Pong, they actually had players instead of just a paddle mm-hmm. and, and you know by 1983 um i worked for a company called tandy corporation which they owned radio tandy mm-hmm. leatherworks yeah i worked i ran the leather side yep you know tooling and teaching classes on it and everything well next door to us was the radio shack and there's this young guy i was young too but He's making like $2,000 a week because they started selling schools computers, mm. which were tape-driven. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sitting there saying, how in the world? He's making this kind of money? Have you, hold on just a second. Have either one of you guys ever seen a tape-based video, video game system? I have absolutely no idea what he's talking it about. It runs off cassette tapes. What? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's a, the first Commodore computers were tape driven. Yeah. And then they went to a floppy, kind of a floppy. It was <laughs> worse than a floppy. I remember um, floppies and, and painfully. You you couldn't write to those. You could write to the tape driven. You know, mm-hmm. but that's all. But it was so primitive. I mean, you got to remember when when we put man on the moon, a computer would a computer to do what my phone does today filled this room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and had all these tape drives and everything else. Well, to come out with a computer that worked off a of cassette tape, schools are sitting there saying, well, this is the future. This is the thing to go, you know. And, and really it was. And they were buying, you could sell them anything at that point in time. I mean, this guy was making money hand over fist. And I'm thinking there's no way I could ever learn that, you know. And uh, it wasn't until actually ninety the 90s that I realized there's really a future because the internet was coming out. Mm -hmm. And for business, I had an RV dealership down in the Ozarks. And opening it up, I realized... Rogersville, Missouri. I I realized that to do business anymore, you needed to have that capability to do your book work, to do your filings, and, and to run everything because they either wanted it faxed or... Or there had to be a way to transmit it and mm-hmm. keep your day to day, and it was a miracle. I mean, I traded at Pontiac Grand Am for two computers that the this guy built them, and he used all stolen all stolen software from. He said, "I'll build. You, I've got the best computer you could ever buy. It's got egg megabytes." Yeah. A video RAM. <laughs> Holy shit! And, and it's got 520 <laughs> megabytes uh, of memory. Yeah. No, no, no. Eight megabytes of memory, and it had 520 megabytes of of disk space. Yeah. You know, uh, you'd never use that all up. No way. <laughs> you know, and, and I I traded him a nice Pontiac Grand Am for this. Well, I I bought a book called Computers for Dummies or Windows mm-hmm. for Dummies. Mm-hmm. And, and it explains how you could go into DOS and, and configure everything. Well, I had it. He delivered them to the house, and I get on it, and I'm trying to do some of the stuff I learned. And I did star dot star D-E-L because I put something in, and I wanted to delete it. And I remembered star dot Star DEL. What I didn't realize was when I push enter, I watched every file on that hard drive just go away. Just go away. Yep. Yeah. And it took this guy like a week. He gave me an AutoCAD system that was like a $10,000 system on there that was still pirated. I mean, stuff that today wouldn't be worth much, but back then it was gold, oh, yeah. you know? And, and watching that all go and knowing that, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and knowing you can't do what, a damn what, thing there's about nothing it. you can do. Not a thing, you know. And, and the baddest thing was I had to go tell this guy. <laughs> Man, I, I, I don't know what happened. I, I turned it on and it's all gone. Well, you know, he's smart enough not to believe that one. And uh, I'm thinking, this is going to cost me another grand dam. <laughs> and fortunately, it didn't. But but still, that is a, 
in all my computer experience, that is probably the sickest feeling I've oh, ever yeah. had. And, and looking back on it, it was a diamond video card and eight megabytes of video RAM. Doesn't cut it today. No. You know? No, and, and, um, and 512 megabytes of storage doesn't even work on my phone right, you know? So a few things. One, I wanted to go back to the floppy disk because I saw a TikTok recently, probably within the last like two or three weeks, where they were showing floppy disks to like high school students. And one of the kids was like, why did you 3D print the save symbol? And I was like, oh, as a save symbol, mother fuckers. Um, So there's a uh, there's a TikTok channel. It's funny you bring that up. There's a TikTok channel where um, this dad talks to his daughter and just brings up old, old stuff. Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. The the ones I sent you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Like, I need you to go burn a CD. She's like, what? It's like, I need you to go to Napster and download a torrent and burn a CD. She's like, burn, burn. Why would I burn a CD? <laughs> the one that I saw was when he was like, hey, remember, make sure that you remember to send the movies back to Netflix. And she was yeah. like, what? <laughs> She's like, why would we mail, why would we mail something to Netflix? For like merchandise? Like Redbox. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so the second thing I wanted to say was like, I remember when we started, or when I started, I think you might have started before me, at Wells Fargo, when I moved to Des Moines in like, like 2015. Yeah. And I was like, I remember they showed us the programs that we had to use for uh, mortgage collections. And, and I like- just remember thinking like, there's no fucking way that the entire banking industry still runs on DOS. Uh, and it does. Do. And it does. And it probably still does. Black Knight. Yeah, exactly. And then the third thing I was going to say was for, was for you to to recognize even way back then that like this is how business is going to work is these these computer systems because like my grandfather ran an accounting business up until probably 2009, 2010 and he was still using handwritten like, handwritten grid paper, never got behind like uh spread spreadsheets and um or like excel or things like that so well learning excel was really kind of hard because i was selling property out of hawaii and we had to do the deeds and contract because it was fee fee simple i come back here and i go back into the car business and there's a dealer still today that does everything by hand and and you go to get a payoff from him and he'll pull out the, the customer sheet, and there's scribbles all over it. And you're sitting there saying, oh, no. <laughs> of course. He says, well, let's see. Oh, okay. Uh, he owes $2,600. Wait, whoa. Well, no, 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 no. It's 1800 <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God. You know, where I use a system called Fraser, and that does every single thing I ever wanted it to do I can do my own ads for the online. I can keep track of my inventory and my cost and my overhead. I can do my payroll, the whole bit. And when I bought, I was the first one dealer in Iowa to have it. So um, I, I'm, I started and it was free. Now they paid like $250 mm-hmm. a month for it. And um, 
you get well it, it was a learning experience because these but they had the best support system that you could ever find you know the major dealers have adp yeah and, yep. and using the major dealers you know it all interfaces but it's also problematic because they have they have basically systems built into the system that doesn't allow you to do any changes or anything without having to override it by somebody else. Well, if you're the boss, you should be able to override anybody, you know? Sure. And, and it was just a check and balances, but at the same time, if the software went bad in it, you're screwed, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's just like Y2K. They were selling us $1,000 programs that, Y2K hits, it's going to ruin everything. The computer's going down. You got to, you need to save your data for a thousand dollars. Yeah. You can have this, pro- and, and it's probably one of the best scams I think that they had going. And whether it was created by the, the, the computer industry or Microsoft or whatever, they made a ton of money off of it, you know. Sure. But, but the fact of the matter is, is, you know, the biggest thing that we have to worry about today with, as far as computer goes is, is somewhere we get into that grid and be able to do that to all of our computer systems or do it to our power systems or or monetary systems because it's cap- they're capable now and they're a lot further along than what we ever thought. You know, if they can hold a company ransom, and, and the thing that gets me about that, you pay the ransom, but that doesn't mean that you're still it's free just, of them because stops. you still have the yeah, capability. Exactly. Yeah. They've they already, they've already got all your information. Door. I was 10 years old in 1999, um, and so I uh, I don't know if I can fully wrap my head around like what the scare was with Y2K. Do you can you explain Y2K when it hits? The computers weren't set up to supposedly the computers were not set up to make that change of the century to, at 2000. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they thought they would revert to 1900. Or, gotcha. Or, so it was like a, a there was no, they they didn't know what the computers, because they couldn't acknowledge it, they wouldn't go forward. And once it hit that, it would confuse the computer itself or the program itself to where it just did away with everything. Gotcha, okay. Cause a crash across the board and then we're all screwed. Um, that didn't happen, obviously. No. And, and the next scare after that, I believe, was like 2012. Uh, and it was all based on the Mayan calendar. Oh, yeah, the, earth was gonna, the the Earth was going to end, and people were wondering, well, what's it going to do to computers then? Well, really, what does it matter if the Earth ends? I yeah, mean, right. I'm really not going to have to worry about that, exactly. you know? And the, that's always kind of been a funny, funny and interesting thing, though, because, like, you know, you get a bunch of, like, religious zealots and shit like that. They're just like, well, the world's going to end in 2012. And they were dead set on, like, uh, you know, either Mayans or uh, Nostradamus or, or whatever predicting, like, hey, world's ending 2012. It gets to that point, and, at the, uh, you know, it's happened so many times that now that you're just like, all right, like... What now? And they're like, oh, well, it didn't literally mean this. Like, they'll do any way to backtrack and try to, like, justify. Oh, yeah, humans hate being wrong. Yeah, so they're like, oh, it's supposed to end on March 12, 2012, you know, some shit like that. Yeah. Like, oh, no, what it actually was was uh, it's coming up in November. 
But then the second it hits and nothing happens, they go radio silent and you never hear from those people again. Well, the thing that the, comp- that the media has been able to do is I've lived a pretty long life. I mean, I, I watched Kennedy get assassinated on TV. I watched man supposedly land on the moon in 1969. And, and Kennedy, there'll always be conspiracy theories, you know. I believe that there's more than one person because that guy with that cheap gun couldn't put off three shots as well as he did. Oh, yeah, I've watched the documentary about mm-hmm. that. You know, but the moon, it wasn't until the media really and computers started interfacing that, that you sit there and you think, could we have really done that in 1969 or was that to fool the rest of the world? You know, because when you think about it, right now we're trying to put man on the moon. We've had two failed launches, and, and they're sending dummies up because they don't know what the radiation will do to the people that are in that capsule. Well, I think after our last few trips, we'd already know that information, you know? And, and when you see a, a flag waving on the moon and there's no wind, you got to question that as well. But more importantly, you've got a lunar land module that landed on the moon, and boosted itself back up to its capsule, and and you've got a Land Rover that supposedly went all over the moon, and they can't accomplish that. That they couldn't accomplish that today, if they wanted to. You know, how did you, if you if you've got a thruster that is based on oxygen to man the mo to start do the motors and boost them, and there's no oxygen on the moon. What are you using? Considering that they only had, according to them, 13 minutes of fuel left in order to to get off the moon, it took a lot longer than that to get to the capsule, and they didn't have the the means to direct that land moon landing vessel to attached to the capsule. Uh, I don't think we've ever been there. In all honesty, maybe we have, but you can't justify the means because in 1969 the computers to do that pull up about six of these rooms and, and didn't have the capability, the memory, or, or the means to do so. Uh, today, we've probably got the means to do so, but we don't, do we have the technology to build a rocket that'll make it there? Mm-hmm. So given given uh, the theory you have, which is we just haven't been to the moon, uh, do you think if we just hypothetically speaking if if that theory is correct and we haven't been on the moon and everything if we have been on the moon do you think we we would have been colonized on it already well nobody ever gave us a real reason why we didn't keep going to the moon um you know from there they set their sights on mars and and they already knew from from all indications that it didn't sustain life and, and what they didn't know is if is there some type of life form there. You know, we live in a... The way I kind of look at, at the past history over the past 50 years, well, basically, if you go back all the way to Roswell, you know, our great aunt was at Los Alamos when they did the nu- the nuclear bomb. And she owned a, she built a, a company that built, right, 
uh, Geiger counters and sold them all over the world. You know, when Roswell happened, they said it was a weather balloon. But you had stories coming out that there were aliens involved in everything. Well, if you take a look at the technology and the advances of technology over this last 60 years, we've gone, we've done a thousand years of advances in 60 years. I mean, take a look at it. You've got cell phones. The things that we dreamt about as kids in my age, Dick Tracy having a cell phone that you could actually talk, a watch that you could look at, and it did everything you wanted it to. You know, we could fly to the moon. We had cars that flew. Um, those are things that people dreamed of. I remember our first black, going from black and white to color TV. And my first remote had a little rod in it that you clicked, and that switched the channels on it, you know. And you watch, ding, 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 you know. But now we, there's not... This this cell phone has more technology in it than anything we any computer we had fifty years ago, and has more memory capabilities. I mean, it, somebody told me a tetra, what is it, tetrabyte, terabyte, terabyte. Somebody told me that we'd have a terabyte hard drive or even a memory card that holds mm -hmm. a terabyte. A little memory right. card, right? Yeah, you know. So uh, the older Xbox I have over there has fifteen terabytes. That right there has 1.5. That has one. Like, I mean, I I was shocked when they had one gigabyte memory cards. You know, actually, I shocked when when or the eight megabyte PlayStation or, memory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, they compress it, compress it, compress it. You know, and now the cars technology. I mean, the biggest pro. The biggest reason we've got the, the situation we do with the automobile industry right now is because basically the United States didn't jump on board and have chips made within the United States. They sent it off and had it done somewhere else because it was cheaper. They That was probably one of the worst things that they could have ever done. And one, They only have one company here where they've got hundreds over there. Uh, and it's affected us in more ways than we know because it also gives them the power to control us and to control our economy, so to speak. Um, realistically, when you when you look at it, I mean, I can only speak from what I know in the car industry because that's all I've done for 40 years. You know, I've seen the evolution in the car industry and the evolution of the means and, and the options available and the services available and what they can do. And the technology that's made it so. You know, when I grew up, it was, the fun was, you, you had a car that had an alternator and a starter, three wires running them. You turn it and it ignited. You could change your spark plugs. You could change your carburetor. It cost you 35 for the starter, 35 for the alternator. If you want to put a, uh, uh, intake on it that was an Elbrock high rise and put a 750 dual pumper, that would give you more power. But you could work on it in the comfort of your backyard and have joy. And now I pop the hood and all I can say is, what's it going to cost me? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and one little chip can cost you a thousand dollars. It's a thousand, it's a hundred and fifteen dollars just for them to pop the hood and say, hmm. After you told them what's, what it's doing, they already know what's going on. But yeah, I think we're going to have to get into this a little deeper. I was just talking on the phone, you know, my son asked me, 
what's it going to cost if I take it to Willis and have them fix fix a wheel bearing? I said, it's going to cost you four or five hundred bucks. And that's really the low end. When when he's getting it done with a friend of mine that, that and getting his body work done at the same time for five hundred bucks for the whole thing when it would have cost him three thousand for the total. You know? Those rat bastards at Willis, I tell ya. Well, it's not just Willis. I mean it's sometimes the people wait, that wait, sell you, the cars. What, <laughs> what amazes me is is you've got older guys that have been in the car business as long as I have and and they're building multi group dealerships. And they're not going to be around to see the fruits of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Stu Hansen sold out, uh, Southtown sold out that store in First Auto. And I worked there for 13 years. He sold it for $55 million. But at the same time, he sold the rights to his name, or he gets paid $5 million a year just for the use of his name. That's smart. How long have you been in the in the car business here in central Iowa? In Central, I started here in 1989. Was Charles Gavis a dick? Charles Gavis was. That's an understatement. <laughs> I've heard. So when I started in the business, that's what that's what I heard. Because there's a lot of people that worked for for Ford, um, and they were like, Charles Gavis was a dick. Let's, let's put it this way. Here's the story of Charles Gavis. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Charles Gavis um, on a car lot. If you're lining up your cars and everything, they have to be evenly spaced. They have to be uh-huh. in a straight row, bumper to bumper, straight line down to the end. If you were so much as two or three inches off or that was at an angle, he'd fire him. Uh, the, the best one I've heard about Charles, it, Charles was a dick. I mean, but he was a smart dick. I mean, if you take a look at Grimes, all of 141 from that exit point to to the outskirts of town, he owned both sides of the highway. Um, and that's just buying a little bit here and there. But he had the Chrysler dealership as well, which was our competition there on Merle Hay. And the dealership was at the front of the, of the, the front of the land. And at the top of the hill was the service department. Um, Charles came in one day and he's walking up the hill and he sees this guy standing on the corner of the building smoking a cigarette and he walks up to him and he says, what do you think you're doing? Taking a break and smoking a cigarette. You know you're not supposed to smoke here. Excuse me? Do you know who I am? No. I'm Charles Gavis and you're fired. The guy looks at him and says, but you can't fire me. What the hell do you mean? He says, I work for Bell Brothers. I don't work for you. <laughs> and, and that's the first time that I've ever heard that Charles Gavis didn't have a reply. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they celebrate his birthday, and, and, and when he turned 81, you get $81 off on your car. Wow, I'm impressed. Heck of a deal. You know? Um, his son, who took over afterwards, didn't like the car business, didn't want anything to do with the car business. Um, I came, I went to an interview with them, and they were offering like a $3,000 sign-on bonus. And he sitting with me, he says, what do you think about the $3,000 sign-on bonus? I said, I want seven. 
says, excuse me? I said, you've been my competition for the last eight years. I mean, I've got gold. My awards probably blow all of your guys away. I mean, I was certified gold. I was certified gold four times silver. I, I sold over 300 new and 300 used each year. That's a lot of cars. And, and I did it consistently. It was between me and Perry Stark at Southtown. Uh, out of Let's put it this way. Out of 60 months, 49 of those months, I was salesman of the month. That's that, To me, that's a good accomplishment. You know, considering I came from selling campground memberships like Cuddy's, which was Blue Sky, and, and they give you a little psych test that you have to fill out, and the guy says, you must have cheated on this. I've never seen by a score like this. And I said, he says, if I hire you, what will you do? I said, I'll blow the doors off your best guy. At the end of the year, we had our Christmas celebration and everything. They gave out awards, and they gave out the peak performer. And they called me up, and I I, he says, what have you got to say, Rob? I said, well, Jeff, um, you laughed whenever I said I'd blow your best guy out the doors. He said, I did. You know, but Gavis, one of the conditions of the bonus that Gavis wanted, he wanted every one of my sales, my purchase orders, with the customers' names, addresses, and phones, and what they bought and when they bought. Gavis was smart in respect because He's the only dealership that I knew at the time that had a, a phone room that was manned and they would do follow-up calls on all the customers and try to get them in. You would do cert, have them call for service. Hey, we've got an oil change special. And, and, and that was its own department? That was its own department. That's their only job. That's super smart. Well, you know, I'd have to say that in the 40 years respectively, I probably sold 10,000 customers. You know, that's nothing to laugh about. But at the same time, when I was, I started in the business, this, that business was driven by two things. Your success was based not, not on the company satisfaction index or score where they do a little survey and fill it out and grade you, uh, because those are flawed all the way. It was based on your repeat business and your referral business. And, and the more of that that you had, the more vehicles you sold and the more successful you were, you know. I was also smart enough to realize that once I made 7000 8000 a month, I needed to sandbag a few for the next month because they'd take out more taxes on 8000 that would make it so I made less than I did if I made 5000 And why would I screw myself out of that kind of money, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, today's car business is you've got multi-big multi industry coming in, like Garth, uh, Lithia. They're buying up the mom and pa dealerships and, and making a conglomeration. Carl is doing the same thing right now, too. And I can remember when they were taking down the sign off Carl's building because he was like $5 million behind on his floor plan. And Abba put $40 million into it. And he's put another $30 million into it. So it's really not Carl's, it's Abba. You know? Um, personally, just like his car right now, they're saying it's worth 29000 He paid, what, 23000 
No, we paid uh, what thirty three, thirty four. I don't remember, but yeah, it was something like that. Okay, like thirty three, thirty four thousand. Yeah, but it's a, it's two thousand and sixteen, and they're saying it's worth twenty nine thousand. Now I don't know about you and or anything, but to me, two, three years ago that car would be worth about fifteen or sixteen today. You know, the reason that they're not totaling out and it's got $17,000 worth of damage is because of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. And the bad thing about that is, is next month, you're going to see the book, the black book, take a dip so hard that, and these people that bought cars during thinking that they bought them right, they're going to be hurting so bad that they'll mm-hmm. never be able to get out of it. I mean, car dealerships now are doing nine-year finance. I talked to one of my banker friends, and he said, Robbie, he says, if you would have told me five years ago that we'd be doing nine-year contracts on a truck and the average payment's $1,000 a month, I would have laughed you out of here. Mm-hmm. He said, but there's no, you're doing nine years. I mean, these people will never hit equity. The car will be done before it's paid for. And they're never, when, when I got into business, the beautiful thing about it was people traded every two years. Yeah. You know, that, that's the way this system worked. You knew these people were turnover business, and, and they looked forward to that two years. You know, then it increased 60-month financing. We thought, oh, my God, that's terrible. We're, they'll never be able to handle that. You know, but the thing that's never changed in the car business is you ask a person where they want to keep their payment. And the thing that they, you hear is the same thing. They don't talk about down payment at all. And because if you hit that, oh, I don't have much to work with. But, oh, I'd like to keep my payment around two fifty, three hundred a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's been that way for decades. You know, sir, it's forty eight thousand dollars for this car. Yeah, so have you got like twenty nine, twenty, thirty thousand down? Exactly. You know, and even that's not going to get them there. Uh, and, and the average American, the average person, you know, I can't imagine paying $600 a month. and I can't imagine paying what my rent is more than what my rent is to buy a car. Yeah. And, and not to cut you off or anything, but like just, just for context, because I don't think a lot of people would know this. Um my car got hit with hail damage from a storm about a couple weeks ago. It is a 2016 Dodge Charger RT V8 Hemi. Uh, we said we paid around thirty three, thirty four thousand. Austin sold it to me. I was just gonna say the the guy that sold you that car very handsome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And very also, Asian too. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful, beautiful boy. And, and he, he sold the back end real well because he got gap and he got <laughs> warranty and. But, um, that was thirty three. But I, yeah, I did make a pretty uh, penny off of you. <laughs> uh, a couple weeks ago, well, I wanted to support a friend. Like that—that that was I, a big thing. Well, for me, no, so. if you can't if you can't make money off your friends, who can you make it off of? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a, f- a few weeks ago, a storm came through, and oddly enough, it hit the area that me and Heather were at. We went to Best Buy to deal with an issue with my phone. Um, we got stuck in Best Buy because. Hail started coming down. Um, the hail ended up damaging all the skylights to that Best Buy. We came out and my car looks like Swiss cheese. Uh, I've never seen I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Um, 
so you know we got a hold of, of people and you know it, it basically boiled down to insurance quoted it at seventeen thousand uh dollars in damages which in my mind i just i cannot fathom that there is $17,000 worth of damages to a vehicle and not have it totaled out, regardless of how expensive that car is, you know? Um, but the thing is, the insurance also did not factor in interior damage, uh, electrical damage, anything like that. But what also hurt that was the fact that Supply and demand drove the price up to twenty nine thousand dollars right. in value. Right. Uh, the the theory I had, and uh, I can't say how valid this is, but my whole thought process was: we all thought it was going to get totaled out regardless, right? We thought it was going to be priced roughly around twenty four thousand, which ended up um, being. Uh, valued at twenty nine thousand, and and my thought process on it being like from the outside of it was, they took the highest amount possible that they could value that vehicle at, just so they wouldn't have to pay out more than seventeen thousand. So, not not actually because actually if you take a look, in right? The I know. I'm just saying, like they valued it as high as they could go. So it would be under that percentage of of total damages that would have been the, the paid big out difference in that is the guy that did your appraisal told me that you know I would damage disclosure is fifty percent of the value has to be reported okay he told me that they no longer use fifty percent of the value to total out a car that they increase that to a seventy percent value uh, in order to do it which. That's pretty high. So I just want to make sure that I'm I'm on the same page. So what what you're saying is because of where the market's at right now, where they say like, hey, it's a great time to sell your used vehicle because values are so high. That's what's hurting Trevor because his appraised his appraised value of that vehicle is so high. It's so high that that seventeen thousand under normal circumstances gotcha. it would have total been out. Gotcha. You know. Gotcha. Okay. And and and, and rightly so. The thing is, is I can honestly say this, that next month that value is going down. And once it goes down, but, he, it might be totaled, but they may also offer him 26000 Sure, it. sure. Uh, would Now, would the recent announcement that Dodge had for uh, discontinuing Chargers and Challengers be a factor in no, the value? No, because that's going to drive the value even down lower. So, it, 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 at least to me... I would think that would that would increase the value because those are some of the last cars that are being made. 25, 30 years from now, that may be true. Right. But today, no. What you got to look at today is, is that they're creating an industry that's all going electric. And it's going to happen whether people want it or not. The, the problem being right now is, is there enough lithium or is there enough uh, material to make batteries that will sustain massive building of those cars i was going to ask that and then also what do you think do like do we in your opinion do we have the infrastructure to support that many electric vehicles being charged at once or well they they, the government put into play here in the last month that they i think 50 billion dollars that that they want an infrastructure built that will guarantee consumers that within every 10 miles 
there there's a charging station available not far from the highway uh doesn't say how many are going to be available but what you've got to remember is it and, and it has to happen because i can't see it not happening right now there's no charge for these charging stations the gas industry is going to take a heck of a hit because that's where their billions are coming from they've fought against this all the way and i i think there's something to be said about business like like you would think gas stations should have the chargers um you know something like that i think there's something to be said about businesses that really have no business dealing with um you know vehicles at all other than providing a parking space what i'm getting at is the palm cedar has electrical charge ports for cars. Yeah, IV has electrical. I charge. was just going to ask that. How does this change, quote unquote, gas stations or what are gas stations well, and, right now? And that's a that's a good question because what you got to remember is most have converted from gas stations. I I worked. God, I'm old. <laughs> uh, I worked for Skelly when I was real young, and we washed the windows, we checked the oil. Uh, checks the tires and everything, mm-hmm. and, and we filled up their cars. The only place now that I know that does that, and we found out, ironically, was coming back here from Washington. We pulled into a station in Oregon, and I went to go put gas in, and they came out screaming at me saying, you can't do that, you can't do that. And I thought, what? And Oregon, the only way that you can have gas put in your car is they have to pump it. Yep, yep. And, and Which you pay is- more for it. But, you know, honestly, I wouldn't mind paying for somebody to come out and pump my gas and check my oil and wash and my that's And that's real funny, too, because, like, uh, uh, what, two, three years ago, there was that huge thing about gases and, and um, Oregon doing away with and they the, had, they, the service. There was people that had never never pumped their own gas, had no idea how to do it. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, and that said, you know, um, now they've turned into convenience stores or fresh markets. And their Quickstar, I mean, if I was to invest in any type of convenience store like Casey's or Come and Go or Get and Go, my money would go into a Quickstar. Yeah. Not even that, a, and, like a high Fast and Fresh? No. Well, that was no. my question because um, like even the fastest chargers, it's still to go from zero to 85%. Uh, it takes like what – 30 to 45 minutes. They've what? got a new one now that'll do it in 15 minutes. So what is like a, what is a quote unquote gas station going to look like in the future? Is it going to be something where you can sit down and have a quick meal or is it going to be something where they're going to have like to a charge, movie theater charge you by the kilowatt or they're going to have to charge you for, for the usage of that, of that electricity because it's not free. Kind of like a rental space, now, like yeah. now, a parking now, garage. Now, now Tesla, from my understanding, the initial customers that bought it, a Tesla, they're guaranteed free power for life, you know, to charge their vehicles. Uh, but, you know, there's got to be an alternative, and there's always going to be somebody out there wanting to make money off of it. And, and it's only like, you know, the thing that really gets me about electric cars is, and, and I still can't wrap my head around it, is why can't there be an alternator that generates the power while that car's the wheels are turning on that to recharge that battery. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, it's kind of funny you bring that up. So uh, I, I work with someone who's, who, or I used to, I, I can't remember if she still is with my company. Um, she's currently going to school. 
and she uh, developed this um, this system that basically it was like, like this contest. A bunch of students get together. They all come up with their own ideas, um, like energy conservation or some shit like that, right? So she she walked me through this system and was telling me this is what she's working on currently. And it's basically a, a system set up in the road. She's like, and she detailed her plans out for like say Des Moines, for example. Um, it would generate power for Des Moines uh, by usage of the roads. Um, and so the the generation of the is actually in the road itself, right? Or uh, some something to that effect. It, basically. Um, the way she laid it out was uh, they'd have to do some road work, um, but it would be generated by uh, cars passing by, um, you know, uh, stuff like that. I I wish we'll I could have her on to explain her. Big, oh, yeah. I would big love brain to. ideas on our dum dum podcast. But uh, no, she like it, it was genius. And, and quite honestly, like if it were to work. Um, and, and if it were, it, like, if it were developed and tested on, like, she, she'd be making money, like, straight up. Well, I looked at, you know, I didn't realize that one wind turbine, um, stores enough, makes enough power to, to basically provide electricity for 45 homes. Uh, and that's just one. You know, and you're seeing them prop up all over there, but they're oh, also the coming against a, they're also getting a lot of flax now because people are complaining, saying that it's causing them mental breakdowns and, and making them ill and everything. Winterset was a prime example, you know, which but, is all bullshit. But. Well, no, you can't say that because sound waves and everything else affect us more than we know. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you, uh, I, I, st- I also watched a, a TikTok video two days ago, and I thought it was pretty good. It showed you how to take a, a magnet, circle magnet with a hole, wrap three pieces of wire, get a 400-watt re- uh, capacitor, hook the wires to it, and, and take a uh, cylinder that rotated and... It would generate enough power on itself, self-propelling, that it would power your house free. And I thought that's got to be bullshit. So, so real quick, that uh, you go on YouTube and it's there. The point I'm about to make isn't necessarily the point that you were just making. How old are you? Old. How old are you? Enough. <laughs> what year were you born? I graduated in 75, and if you flip the numbers, that was the year I was born. Okay. So, with that context, my dad has a TikTok. I was just going to, I was just going to bring that up. Hey, I've got a TikTok. Um, i got videos on there. What so, does I, your... Maybe you're getting ready to ask the same question. Go for it. So, I'm 33 years old, right? And my For You page, because it's all catered to what you're into. So my For You page looks a lot like pro wrestling, skateboarding, and titties. What does your For You page look like? I bet it's titties. <laughs> no. <laughs> Inventions and titties. 
<laughs> Car sales and titties. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> no, 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 no. I bet it. I uh, realistically, I, it, it's more. It's more geared towards comedy. Yeah, that's what and, I would guess. And and you know, music. I mean, yeah, like like I he, he didn't. He says he didn't know, but he's lying. My major, in, I start at thirteen years old. I have my own radio and TV station. Shut the fuck up! Really? This is CATV Channel Two, Sedalia, Missouri. Your only locally originating closer to television station in All right, time out. Because I did some research on you, and I saw on your Facebook page that are you originally from Sedalia, Missouri? Yep. Home of the Goober Burger. Yep. We know what a Goober Burger. Wheel and drive. Yeah. But what most people don't realize about Sedalia, Missouri, also, is that we had a concert that was larger than Woodstock called the Ozark Music Festival on July 19th through the 21st of 1974. I just turned 17, and it was a life-changing experience. Um, for a month before this, I picked up stragglers and, and people that had hitchhiked from all over the country, and they built a tent city at the Rock Quarry. Tickets for this, con- they promoted this, they convinced the state to rent them the state fairgrounds for a concert of bluegrass music that only 10,000 people were going to attend. 375,000 people showed up. Jesus Christ. And this is three weeks before the state fair was held. They had three days of music, 22 bands, and every band that is a band today that is still going, you had Aerosmith, you had the Eagles, you had Bob Seger, you had Eric Clapton, you had... um, uh, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. You had mm-hmm. any and everybody that was anybody. And and the Eagles. I mean, they were all up-and-coming bands at the time, but they were there. You had people run. This is a... a, a um, what do I want to say? This is a Southern Baptist Bible Belt. <laughs> okay? Most Southern Baptists don't believe in dancing, you don't have sex before you're married. And if you marry a Catholic, you're disowned by your grandmother. I know that for a fact. It's the city in Footloose. And, and, <laughs> and three days, for three days, and I was just, re- a guy made a documentary film on it, and it's gone, it's going viral, but people are walking around the malls with no clothes on, pushing shopping carts, and filling up, and people are calling into the police saying, can I shoot him if he's in my yard? You know, I mean, we weren't prepared for the masses that showed up. They cut holes in the fence. They 10,000 people were to show up. Uh, Hell's Angels was the security guard. Wolfman Jack saying, I'm a wolfman, was the MC. Um, only one person died out of that whole thing. And it really wasn't from that. Instead of Kool-Aid stands and Pepsi fountain drinks, they were selling drugs at their little stands all over. And the Sheep Pavilion became a house of ill repute for $3. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the tickets for those three days, you know, I told my son I wanted... Tickets to the Eagles concert that's coming up November mm-hmm. 17th. Uh, I've seen about every band that you can ever imagine in my lifetime. 
and music's real big to me. I'd never seen, I didn't think I'd ever seen the Eagles until I saw that in 1974 they were there. But I don't think Hotel California was out yet. It was coming, but... I, I've seen promotional material for that concert, and they're playing that album from, from start from, to finish. From start to finish. Yeah. And, and I thought that would be cool. Well, my daughter looked up the tickets, and the cheap tickets are 200 bucks. Oh, my God. For 22 bands, three days, and three hundred spending it with 350,000 people, it was $15. Jeez. Um, that means it costs 68 cents a band. <laughs> So there's quite a difference in, in what it costs today. Um, and still, I, I get more enjoyment probably out of that. No, I enjoyed 1974. Um, there's memories I don't remember. I Yeah, I can imagine. But, uh, when you're 17 years old, it, it and I remember, I want to, how do you put this? We were born in the 60s, and the 60s generation was peace, love, dove, and a little bit of everything else. It's a little bit of everything else that we partook in that made our generation its generation. I remember going at 14 going into my girlfriend's house. She wasn't home, and her brother invited me upstairs, and he's got the room painted black with all of these dots all over and he turned on this purple light and it just made me think I was in outer space and he asked me if I smoked and I thought he meant cigarettes and he didn't (laughs) (laughs) I went in there listening to Donnie and Marie and singing uh, and Michael Jackson been the two of us will walk no more I came out listening to I Am Iron Man <laughs> and Jethro Tull, Thick as a Brick. And from that point forward, screw Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, a redneck back then was somebody that smoked pot. Redneck today is somebody that doesn't smoke pot. If you stepped on the crack, you broke your grandmother's back. Today, I don't know if you step on crack, somebody's going to hit you. But, um, you know, the thing is, is, is society's changed so much over the years. But it's those life events that change, that make your life, you know. Uh, people today couldn't picture a place bigger than Woodstock. When that concert was over, they had to hire crews to come in and scrape the topsoil off the entire fairgrounds because there was so much drugs and debris and trash (laughs) left behind. This is three weeks before the state fair opened, and we had a mile mile midway, Um, and it was just a sea of people. Uh, If you came in with a block of ice, you could make a hundred bucks in ten minutes, where but it was only $3 to go into the sheep pavilion. And uh, uh, it, it was an experience that, you know, few people know about, and, and really people need to... Woodstock was 200,000 and 300,000 people going through rain, 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 rain. 
it was a mud pit. They had to switch two days before to locations. And, and it was the end of the 60s era. It was the end of the Vietnam era, and the bands reflected that. This was hailing in the new generation. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, sadly today, that generation, I mean, that to me, there are no new bands that carry the same clout or longevity that those bands today have, those bands then had. I mean, face it, ACDC, some of those guys are 70 years old and they're still playing. Mm-hmm. Rolling Stones, I don't know, he's got to be 80. And Kevin Richards has been dead. Keith Richards has been dead for like 30 <laughs> years, but he still walks, you know. Uh, those bands can't be replaced. I mean, and they call that the golden oldies. When in my day it was Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, and Gene Kelly. You know, uh, a lot of the movies you couldn't redo today. You've got your Star Wars. You've got, we had the Wizard of Oz. So, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I wanted to ask you with with everything that we've talked about so far as far as um you know uh changing of the times and and whether it be through you know car sales or uh video games uh how have you i mean what's been your your thought process or, or how's it been with the changing of like media, digital media, um, Star Wars, for example, like from from where it started with Episode Four and, and what you could see and whatnot, to where Disney acquired Star Wars and and they just put out a trailer for season three of The Mandalorian, which I don't I don't the, think you've the seen biggest that, difference like, that I, video games, for instance, okay. Um, Final Fantasy or, or something like that when they first started out. It was all mechanical. And, and the anime was, I mean, everybody looked the same and did the same. And, and you know, it was simple. You show me a video today and I don't know what's real, a real person and what's AI, you know, or, or gen- generated. I mean, they are so realistic. So, so what's it been like seeing, like, say, say the, the original trilogy of Star Wars to seeing how far that's come in terms of, like, they've released so many games, shows, uh, movies, uh, you know, uh, with the way Star Wars looked back then to where it looks like now, where they're releasing uh, TV shows that have the... S- bigger budgets than what the originals did. What what you've grown up with, okay, from the very beginning, that's my Pong. Sure. Okay? To where it is today. And, and today's kid, this is their Pong. You know, media's always been under the influence of making money. That's all anything is in this world is make money, make money, and profit from it, you know? and and But you can flood that market so much that it, it hurts it more than it helps it. You know, with with basically what they're doing now, I mean, they can make movies. They can take me sitting here talking and my face and my body, and they can make it do anything they want it to do 
and make a movie without me without me having to be there and but I'm the star. Which I mean they've done with Yeah. Carrie Tr- Carrie Fisher and Tron Legacy. They did it in Rogue One with Carrie Fisher and um But that's the guy who played Grand Moff Tarkin. You're looking at the ground floor of it. Right. Think of what twenty years from now they'll be able to do. I mean, will they need movie stars? Will there be movie stars? Because they can computer generate anything they want. You know? And that's going to be a big boom to the people that are making the films and and, and writing the storylines and producing them. Because they don't need sets anymore. They don't need anything. All they need is, is something imaginable or a person that's imaginable to fill that space. You know? Because it's so, it'll be so, you'll, you'll see the pores on their skin. You'll see their hair. It, it'll be so realistic that you don't know whether it's real or it's not. And the millions that the movie stars are making, they don't have to spend on that. You know? I mean, it's kind of like, take a look at, at how media has changed. A football player like Bart Starr, Way he he got he had to carry a full time job working at a steel factory, and still be able to play football on the weekends. Now you've got Patrick Mahomes, who I'm missing right now, making a half a billion dollars just in his contract, not let alone his media sources, mm-hmm. and he's 25 years old. How do you spend a half a billion dollars? How do you justify paying someone? You know, Michael Jordan was probably one of the best basketball players out there. And if it weren't for his business sense, he'd be, he'd have, he'd be broke. Right. You know, fruit of the loom went a long way. (laughs) Nike went, Nike was his best, his best decision, you know, but at the same time. Baseball wasn't. Tiger, Tiger Woods. I mean, when you look at golf right now, you've got Egyptians in Saudi Arabia, paying hundreds of millions millions of dollars if you go play golf with us, mm-hmm. where these people didn't make a hundred million dollars playing professionally in the United States, but they're being barred from playing in the U.S. Open because they made that decision. The the live golf or whatever the new yeah, but but you know that's a business decision. It's not they got to look out for their livelihood and their life. How do you turn that down? Right. And how do you how do you condemn somebody for making that decision? I mean, I don't think that's right in any sense or form, because what you're doing is you're keeping the good player. Uh, the 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 argument against that is this: so you pay somebody a million, a hundred million dollars, they're not going to give it a hundred percent. You know, you've just created a game. Hey, sit this one out. You know, mm-hmm. you you it, if you're betting on it. They can hedge the bet, you know. Uh, you don't have to give a hundred percent. Heck, let him win this week. You already got a hundred million, you know. And, and there might be some truth to that, but then again, your competitive spirited sportsman is going to give it his all all the time, you know. They're not going to sit back and say, "I'll let him win," because that's not what it's about. So we're coming to the end of our our time on this episode. Um, I don't want to call you the oldest, but you are you are definitely the most seasoned guest that we've had in twenty four episodes. Uh, what advice over your your long life 
what's the what's the best advice that you would have to give someone of a younger generation something that uh maybe you've learned or some uh wisdom that someone has passed on to you that you would pass on to others you create your own destiny but but more importantly is is in the workplace do something that you love because then it's never a job you know i mean for 40 i, I sold cars I'm a people person. I enjoy it. I enjoy feeling good. Most people don't realize it. I didn't sell them the car. They bought that. You know, I can tell them. I'll steer them away from a car, and I got probably yelled at more for doing that because if I don't like a car, if I know a car's got problems or are known to have problems, it can sit there as long as they want. I'm not selling it, you know. And, and people respect that, and that's how you get your business. But more importantly, is if you like what you're doing, if you love what you're doing, you'll be good at it. And people notice that, and that, and it isn't work. It, it's something you, I right now, after my heart attack and my triple bypass, the worst thing I hate, I don't work. You know, I got offered hundred twenty-five dollars an hour three months ago go to work for McKee and I turned it down not because I wanted to I had to because I couldn't do 60 hours a week yeah and I never had retirement in my life plan I saw too many people that die three weeks or a month after they they retire because it's pretty damn boring so enjoy life as long as you can. Look back without any regrets, and those regrets make up for them. You know, tell your kids the truth. Be honest with them about your life experiences, and maybe they won't make the same mistakes. You know, we're only here for a little while, and you know that little while may seem like a long time to some people, but you know, the thing that you realize is that time goes by real quick. And when my father died, it hit me that he's only 16 years older than me. So that kind of gives you a perspective on maybe I got that long left. Better make the best out of it. Hmm. You know? So that's about the best advice I can give.